Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for every American family. They're a membership-based online shopping club offering thousands of the best-selling organic foods and natural products in everyday sizes, and they sell for up to 50% off retail prices with free and fast nationwide home delivery. This is really cool. For every paid membership, Thrive Market donates a free membership to a low-income family, teacher, or military. For a limited time, Paleo Hacks is doing an exclusive offer with Thrive Market. So you can go over to thrivemarket.com slash paleohacks and register to win a $1,000 shopping spree. That's $1,000 of free stuff you can win. That's a grand prize. We're also giving away 10 second prize winners that get one year free membership. And because we love all of you equally, as a bonus, every new member who registers through thrivemarket.com slash paleohacks is going to receive 25% off their first purchase. All right, time for today's show. Paleo Hackers, we are back with another edition of the Paleo Hacks podcast brought to you, don't need to say it, by paleohacks.com. Forms, communities, recipes, mouthwatering goodness over there. Check it out. On the other end today with me, Maddie Moon. She hosts her own podcast at Mind Body Musings, creator of the 10 Proven Steps for Ending Any Diet Obsession. Today, she's with us to kind of put the dye in diet. So Maddie, thanks for coming on. Thanks. Thank you for having me. I like that, the dye in diet. I haven't even thought about that before. Yeah, it was a uh, gotta love puns. The dad humor prevails. That's what uh, that's what we're all about on this show. So looking over your site before this, like I, I joke, I stalk all my guests. I get very familiar with who they are and what they do. I was looking at yours and I saw um, I, saw, I saw all these fitness modeling photos of, of kind of what you used to be. And then I saw what you were talking about now, which is accepting yourself and getting over body image issues and I was thinking there's got to be a huge story behind that because those seem like two opposite ends of the, the spectrum. And so kind of describe what, what was the transition like or how did you get into what you're talking about now? Okay, so it's a pretty long story. Uh, I'll go back not crazily far, but whenever I was in high school, I discovered vegetarianism. And it started as a very uh, ethical cause. I loved feeling like I was saving the animals. It was great. So I started doing that. And I was already a pretty thin girl, but I started to lose more weight. And people would reach out to me in school and be like, wow, you look so good. You look amazing. What are you doing? How are you losing weight? Your legs are so thin. They're not touching. Uh, I got a lot of recognition. And it felt really good. And I really liked that. And I started realizing, wow get smaller, people like you more, like lose weight, get admiration. And then I started to incorporate more exercise into it because, you know, all my friends in in high school were all in sports. They were in volleyball, they were in basketball. And I was the the band geek or nerd that didn't do anything. So I thought maybe if um, they're all really popular and they're working out really hard, maybe I should start doing that. So I started to hit the gym after school immediately afterwards. And I'd be there for about an hour and a half, nonstop straight, just doing cardio. 
So I began, began to see that you can check to see how many calories you burned. And then I wouldn't get off of any machine I was on until I burned at least a thousand calories. Mm, wow. And then I started to uh, refuel myself eating less than whatever I burned. And this went on for an embarrassingly long time. I would make sure that I burned more than a thousand calories and ate less than that. And then I would go through periods where I didn't eat anything at all. So I had spurts of what one would call anorexia. Um, and then I went through even, I went through more eating disorder tendencies. I never had anything besides orthorexia long term, which I know we'll get into later. But um, I started to get very obsessed with this idea of losing weight, way obsessed. And as I went into college, I started to realize that there was a term out there called skinny fat, and that's what I was. I called myself skinny fat. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but there's different ideas of what it is. But basically, you're skinny, there's no muscle, you have fat on your body, and voila, there's a term for people who are like that. And I felt terrible about myself because I realized I don't have tons of muscle. I don't look like those sexy fitness model girls. No one will ever trust me for uh, any kind of health coaching if I am not looking like that, which was kind of one of my, sorry to be one of my uh, goals is to be a health coach, right? Kind of ironic. Um, as I went on through college, I discovered the industry of bodybuilding mm -hmm. and I thought, huh, this is pretty cool. It's a really easy way to conceal an eating disorder. No one would ever know. I'd be able to have this excuse to have a meal plan. I'd have to be on top of it. I have an excuse to actually eat now. So now I will eat, but I'll be super rigid about it. So I'll still have control in a different way, but I will have energy. So that's great. So I started going down this path of bodybuilding and researching all the bodybuilders and following all of them and signed up for my first competition where I ate I think I ate about seven different foods for 18 weeks. I didn't eat anything outside of those seven foods. Chicken and broccoli. Chicken, broccoli, brown rice, one tablespoon of peanut butter, protein powder, oatmeal, and did I say egg whites? Mm. I don't think so. You were egg living whites. egg whites. So those were them. And I had the same exact like portion sizes, same times of the day. And uh, if I missed a time, so this is how this is a little peek into in, inside of how crazy I was with this uh, being rigid about it. But if I had a meal that was three hours away and I had school, because I was in college at the time, I would pack said meal in a bag. So maybe it's a, uh, an oatmeal, water, protein powder shake. And I'd make it in the morning and I'd put it in my backpack and I'd let it sit in there all day long until I had to have it hours away when it's warm and like gross and it always made me feel terrible but I would still have it I'd make sure I had it on the dot at two o'clock if I was supposed to have you know meal four or whatever I would have it no excuses I would miss out on social events everything so uh you know fast forwarding a little bit I was I, I went through with this for about the 18 weeks and I had my first fitness show and the first one I'll say was fun because it was exciting I was super thin I you know yay whatever. But then I got my critique card where the judges said, you're not muscular enough. Your butt's too small. You don't have boobs. Like, come on. The only things that I got ranked high on was my uh, tan and my makeup, which my friend did for me. So that was a little bit of a blow. And I started to, to really come down on myself. Everyone else was like, Yay. You know, we did it. We set out, we did what we wanted to do. We accomplished this. But I was like, I am such a failure. I am at the time when I got pinched for my body fat, I was seven, I was 6.5% body fat. 
super low for a woman. It is. And when I look at pictures, I'm like, how in the world was I that low? So sometimes yeah. I wonder if they were a little bit off with those little pinchers because that seems just crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, women are generally like a good, what is it, 7% higher on average um, for other reasons and all that. Like for five, 6.5% for a man is still super low, but 6 right. point whatever for a woman is is really low. Right. Really low. And I ended up losing about 15 pounds during this time. And I'm, I'm five, six. So I won't say the exact weight I was at, but it was very small. It was like dangerously small. And at that leanest point I was, I was at the least confident I have ever been in my whole life. Mm. I felt like I was bloated all the time. I felt like no one could love me. I thought that, uh, I had a problem with self-control uh, even though I hit every single time, every single meal, I thought there was still a hidden problem somewhere. There was something that was I was not being perfect enough at. So getting that critique card, I realized, wow, I need to take a break and really put on muscle mass. So then I went on the bulking phase where I was still super rigid and I actually started eating paleo at that time. So I was trying to bulk with paleo by eating all sorts, like it was still a bodybuilding diet. So it was like bodybuilding paleo, which was tons of like paleo carbohydrates. Um, I never felt good at the, at the time because I was eating tons of this and then tons of fat and I was confused and I was trying to just put on weight. And every single day it was the same thing for me. It was like work out, go home, eat something, research as I ate that something. Is this thing bad for me? Is this thing good for me? Read all the different forums, can be confused, reach out to five people that I trusted for their health advice, get different answers from all of them, go through this mental turmoil, complain to my boyfriend at, at the time, and then go work out again because I felt so bad about it. And this just day after day after day after day. And I thought that I was just um, still not worthy. And you know, fast forward, I did another show. And that was the show where I realized none of this is worth it. I'm going down a, a very dangerous path. I'm so obsessed with food. Um, I'm so obsessed with my body image. Nothing is ever going to be enough until I start focusing on something else that has nothing to do with food. Right. And so, and so that was kind of the, the rock bottom was that second show. You turned it around and then uh, you started kind of looking inside yourself and figuring out what it all meant. And you got really honest. I'm, I'm just assuming here you got really honest with uh, kind of your current situation and maybe orthorexia and eating disorders and body image issues. And then you turned it around. Right. Exactly. So the second competition, I, I went through it. I ended up going through four different trainers because none of them gave me that piece I was looking for that I'm going to be the best. I kept looking for someone that's going to really make me feel like I'm going to be the absolute best. And one of the coaches put me on a 900 calorie diet and I was working out twice a day, sometimes three times a day. Uh, he told me that I couldn't be in any relationships at the time because you can't be in a relationship and, and eat this way because your life is food and I needed to make my life food. And I ended up going to another one and, and you know, he put me on 800 calories. Jeez. By the end of the show, my body was just, I was I'm no, no mental energy, like so yeah. much mental fog, no physical energy. Uh, I had lost my period for the third time in my life because of all the extreme dieting. I've now lost it, I think, 
four or five times in my whole life, and I'm 24. Um, and I spent more time crying than I was not crying because I didn't feel like I was ready for the show. I kept thinking that this show was going to be it. And for everyone uh, that has experienced some kind of disordered eating habit, they all know in their mind what that thing is for them. Maybe it's a wedding Maybe it's summer, um, maybe it's a breakup, and they just feel like that's their time to finally get revenge or to finally feel beautiful or to finally feel in control and to lose weight. And for some reason, weight is just such an easy way to cope with life. It's such an easy way to, when you feel like all of life is out of your your grasp and your hands and you don't know what's going to happen with your job or you don't know what's going to happen with your money, then we'll lose weight. And, and that's what the media is telling us to do. That's what everyone's telling us to do in the fitness industry with the ab shots, Instagram, Pinterest, lose weight. Like with all those different phrases, you know, you're not a dog. Don't reward yourself with food or you can rest when you're dead. Like go, 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 go. Don't stop. And that created this self-righteous feeling in me where whenever I did good with my diet, I felt like I was better than all these other people. I was amazing. I ate clean. I didn't have any sodium in my diet. You know, I ate zero of that, zero of this. Um, but my so people can go the other way too. Like I think uh, people so not rewarding yourself with food. You're not a dog. Don't do it. The shadow side or the opposite of that is the people who have weight gain issues, and that's all they do. That's the one awesome thing they have in their life. If they don't like their job or their relationship, or or maybe they're bored. There's no variety. Well, three times a day there can be tons of variety. 20 times a day if you want, you know, because you can eat all these different sensations in your mouth and taste buds and your neurons fire on and off. And I mean, that's like a stimulus for a lot of people who are stuck in these beha- uh, behavior patterns and food is their reward and uh, right. the opposite way. So either extremes, it sounds like, is is what we're talking about. Right. And the interesting thing I've come to realize is whether you're the person that eats a whole bunch of food to make yourself better, or you're the person who doesn't eat anything to make yourself better, both people are obsessed with food. That hasn't changed. Both people are very obsessed with food. There's just different ways to receive the high. Some people receive the high through the actual sensation of controlling their diet, not eating anything. And then the other group receives it from numbing out and eating on the food and focusing on the fullness factor instead of whatever stressing them in life. Um, so there's, there's a big difference physically, but mentally not always that, that crazy different. And so how did you start talking about what your blog's all about? You know, overcoming eating disorders and, you know, 10 proven steps to ending any diet obsession. Did you start working with people? Uh, did you have a coach that you worked with? How did that all come about? It was a long process. I will say that. After my show, I started to just say, you know, started to tap into my intuition. So the first thing that I did, I'll just give you my personal steps and then tell you how Maddie Moon came to be. But the first thing I did is I got a dog who I just felt intuitively it would help me if I started to focus on another thing besides just myself, you know, something that would make me smile, but also I would make them smile. Did you reward it with (laughs) food? Um, no, she gets her two square meals a day. Um, sometimes I calories. Uh, I don't Probably know. Not. Probably not. Two hour. She's six pounds. She hasn't gained much weight since I got her. So I doubt it. Um, but I got her and, and she's really taught me, um, just how to laugh at the little things and how to not make small things a big deal. Like once when, if I missed 
a meal by eating five minutes after when I was supposed to, you know, she would spill things all over the place. Or I would come home and she'd unwrap cookies that were in my pantry somehow and have them all over the place. And she would have cookies all over her face and I just started laughing. Like she trained me in, in lots of ways just to relax and to stop controlling so much. That was a really great first step for me. And the next step, I started to realize that where I was living wasn't healthy for me, period. Um, for a lot of people, it is all on the inside. You know, it's just like you don't have to change where you live to be happy. But for me, being very, I could be very mobile and it was just me. So I could go wherever I wanted. And I decided to pick up and leave and go to a place that had external beauty so that I would stop trying to focus so much on creating my body to be the beauty, like the main beauty. So I moved to Colorado within 48 hours of having that idea pop in my head, just picked up, moved, left, didn't tell anyone except for my parents. And once I got to Colorado, I, I just isolated myself. It was, it was during the winter where it was snowing outside, and I really went into this place of um, a lot of introspection where I was just trying to cut myself off from the pressures I've been putting with social media and looking a perfect way to the outside world and being this lean, tiny girl who everyone says, how do you do it? What do you do? I needed to get away from those compliments because those kept putting so much of that what, dopamine in me. That's what it is, right? Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, just, like good <laughs> feedback. Yeah, I kept coming back for more. So I started getting a little bit quieter on that scene. I started to reach out to people that were promoting messages of eat the food, just eat the food, like feel better, like Matt Stone, Amber Rogers, um, lots of different really inspiring people um, that would influence me to just start feeding my body what I needed. Nia Shanks was one of them. Um, but I, I really was careful about who I followed. I started unfollowing people, following people that were positive for me. From there, I, I still had a blog. My blog at the time was Moon Fitness because I was doing the fitness coaching. And then I created Mind Body Musings and the Mind Body Musings podcast. Uh, today, now I'm at maddiemoon.com, but my podcast is still called Mind Body Musings. And the original idea with this show was to interview people like Matt Stone that I wanted to learn from, but email wasn't enough. And I was thinking, you know, I'm trying to heal. I really want to heal right now. So how cool would it be if I could get people on the show that could bring me all this insight on how I could heal and then just put it live for other people to listen if they want to get some insight too. And that's how that started. And I rem remember I created the podcast for the sole reason of that, just because I wanted to heal at a come on, like I need more insight and advice on how to get over this obsession I have with dieting and orthorexia. And uh, from there, this, my podcast now has done a huge transformation. I'm very more, I'm much more selective about who I have on in regards to, because before it was just any person that eats food can be on the show because I thought I could always, but now I've come to realize some people can be triggering to me and can be triggering to my audience if they talk about why you need to diet. Because mm -hmm. Um, it, anytime that you're just getting your ideas reinforced that you need to diet, you need to er, eat a certain way, you can't eat carbs, can't eat like too much fat, you got to be vegan, you got to be this. It's not only triggering to me, but it's triggering to my audience. So I've taken on that responsibility to make sure I'm only giving them good messages of recovery and healing and uh, your body isn't everything. Mm -hmm. So then I started coaching people. I created my first program, now creating my second program. I wrote a Kindle book 
publishing my second Kindle book right now. So in the past year uh, or year and a half, a lot has happened. And I, I feel like everything that happened to me in high school and middle school and all of the disordered eating I went through was so worth it to be where I am today. So with the Kindle book and all that, um, is that the 10 proven steps? Is that your Kindle book? That is just my free book that I have on my website. Okay. So 10 proven steps for ending any diet obsession was 10 of the really original concepts that I came up with. Um, Getting a dog. For- <laughs> I don't think that one's on there, but that is good. I would recommend that for anyone getting a pet. Any kind of pet is really helpful, but more like experiencing more gratitude in your day. Um, that was one thing when you're really struggling with not feeling like enough, focusing your mind on gratitude and finding things to be grateful for every single day helps so much because you just start training that muscle in your brain to yeah. be grateful. My audience has heard me talk about uh, the issues I had in college as well and fitness competitions, all the much parallel to your uh, story, except for the protein shakes and peanut butter. It sounds disgusting um, in your bag warming up. But I remember having two thoughts that went through my head when I was getting too far into it, obsessed. There was uh, the guilt of kind of, you know, mere checking 50 times a day, being so obsessed over that little last 10 pounds, whatever you want to call it. There's the guilt of, oh my God, I still have this thing on me. And then there's the guilt of, of thinking I'm so selfish. Like, am I, is this really my biggest problem in life right now with these little 10 pounds? Like there's so much out there. There's people who can't even eat. And I'm worried about what I ate too much of, you know, I'm worried about the fat I put on. And so it's a weird, it's a weird balance between those two of feeling like you got to accept yourself where you are, but then wanting to kind of beat yourself up because you're even thinking about how you have this issue. Yeah, that was definitely another thought that helps me in the process of keeping in mind that orthorexia, like a problem with eating too healthy, buying too much organic, low this, low that, local, like those things. And that became an obsession for me. That became a, a, a disorder, a very authentic, deep-rooted disorder. So not that for everyone it can just go away remembering that, but it certainly did help me feeling like remembering that there are people out there that would love to have all the options of food that we have, would love to have the accessibility. And here I am obsessing over having to eat this food um, over that food or um, having a family dinner and having to tell my mom, sorry, I can't eat what you made because I brought my own Tupperware full of cold chicken and cold raw green beans that I want to eat instead. Sure. I think that a lot of times too, it's, it's the comparison that seeps in and that's the biggest factor. When you always worry about what others are doing or what others look like or what others are eating, it totally detracts from your own happiness and fulfillment. Like, uh, Instagram is the perfect example. You mentioned unfollowing people. Imagine just streams and streams of, of, you know, good looking people, beautiful people, because no one posts the photos of them bad or having a bad time. And just like constantly bombarding yourself with these fitness model photos of this is normal. This is normal. It reinforces that pathway in your brain. And, and so, I mean, for sure, I think unfollowing people that uh, detract from your happiness and that you compare yourself to is, is terrible. So spot on. So spot on. And I was 100% part of that issue because I would take so many different pictures of myself in the perfect Lululemon capri pants on leg day, like 
right after I did a whole bunch of squats and say, hey, yeah. I just did a whole bunch of squats, like lifting this weight, like, and then just a blatant picture of my butt, like in these Capri bands, like not even my face. It's, uh, looking back, I'm like, why in the world would I do that? But I get it. I do get for, it. Like, Instagram and stuff? Yeah, for Instagram, just getting likes and that instant validation that what I'm doing is making a difference in this world. People notice me. I'm special. Mm -hmm. I'm self-righteous because I've got a butt and they want it. Mm -hmm. That's what was going through my mind. I was like, it, that was how I received um, validation for my worth. It really was. And uh, on that topic, another thing that I noticed was really triggering for me, and I don't know if this is for a lot of people, but the if it fits your macros diet – because I was always thinking there was you, you have to follow a diet. You have to follow some diet. You can't just eat freely. You have to have regulations, restrictions. So explain, because, explain that real quick for people who aren't familiar with it. So if it fits uh, your macros as a diet based on your macro uh, intake for the day or your allotment for the day. So every single day you have a certain amount of protein grams you can consume, a certain amount of grams of carbohydrates you consume, and a certain amount of fat. And you can't go over, you can't go under, or all hell will break loose is the belief. So most people have an app on their phone where they can track every single bite of food that they eat so that they can see how many grams. So at the end of the day, they're like, okay, I've had 165 grams of protein and I have 25 grams left. And then they go into the pantry and they have, you know, they pull out a scoop of their protein powder and drink it. Even if they're not hungry, they still do that because they need to fit their macros. So what this diet has really turned into is a way for people to eat tons of ice cream, Pop-Tarts, jelly beans, like pancakes, and make these incredible bowls of just sugary stuff at the end of a night where they saved up all of their macros to make this bowl. So a typical, what I see, and I'm not saying this is everyone, but for a lot of people that I see on Instagram, will eat broccoli and chicken or something of that nature that's very low calories throughout the day, save all of their macros that they perfectly type out and they plan and they calculate to see how much of this can I put in the bowl, how much of this can I put in the bowl. And at the end of the night, they'll make a big like creation of all this stuff, whether it be like ice cream or uh, oatmeal or chocolate bars, and they make that perfectly created meal after spending probably hours the previous night before calculating it out and then take a picture of it and then add little sparkles to it, make it look perfect, and then put it on Instagram and then tell people, wow, I ate this food tonight. It's so amazing. My macros are now incredible. And I realized that I would be so envious of all these people because I never saw what how they ate in the morning. I never saw them doing the calculations and frustration and obsessing over their food. I didn't see the relationship angst that was going on because the boyfriend's probably mad at the girlfriend for being so rigid about it. Didn't see any of that. All that all that I saw was that perfect meal at the end of the day that they ate that I wanted to eat. I wanted ice cream. I wanted pancakes. I wanted to have you know, the seasonal Oreo flavors. Um, and knowing that there was someone out there that was eating that way and getting away with that meal. And then the next day posting their picture of their six pack abs made me so jealous, made me so not satisfied with my life. I was very incontent. I wanted that. I wanted all of that. I wanted that body. I wanted that food. I wanted to have the ability to eat that many grams of this in a day. And I remember a lot of times people would be like, my trainer just gave me permission to bump up my carbohydrates, 20 grams, so excited. And 
then I'd be like, I want my trainer to do that. You know, I wouldn't be able to, to eat that way. And uh, it was really tough for me. And this might not be for everyone, but watching people on Instagram that do that, if it fits your macros diet, made me just more unsatisfied in my life than any other diet really has. I see. So when when you're coaching people and working with um, others or even the person listening right now, this is their first time hearing that maybe they have some sort of body image issue problem that they haven't been coming to terms with, or maybe it's becoming more aware and more clear. They relate to the stories that you're sharing. Uh, What are the first steps to turning it around? What did you do with yourself or what do you do with your clients? Well, with my clients, um, well, actually, I'll just say for myself first, the first thing I would say would definitely be the gratitude aspect. So one thing that I recommend that's super easy for people to do is you get a jar or um, a bowl of some sort and little strips of paper that you put next to the bowl. And every day when you walk out the door, just write one thing on the strip of paper that you're grateful for and put it in the jar. It's called the gratitude jar. And I started doing this whenever I was first uh, healing. I, I called it the gratitude intention jar because I would write gratitude on one side and then my intention for the day on the other side. But sometimes for some people, it's a little bit easier just to start with the gratitude thing. Super simple. That's a great way to start training your mindset towards being grateful for things. Another way is to start uh, cutting out the fluff in your life that you notice makes you jealous or unsatisfied. So, great example social media. Spend some time going through those things. Look at all the accounts that you think are making you triggered or making you not happy, want that. Cut those things out. Maybe even delete an entire uh, uh, account somewhere. If you know uh, Instagram is poisonous for you, deactivate it. Take some time off. Or Facebook. Um, Another way, a great way is to start looking for people that really do inspire you, people that encourage you like... I know tons of different people in the in the body image industry that talk about nothing but body image. And this may come as a surprise, but there's a whole community, just people that talk about eating the food, learning how to get rid of emotional eating, learning how to intuitive eat again. Who do you follow? Like who are the big players in that? So, one of my um one of my favorites is Isabel Fox and Duke. She is an amazing woman. I trust her so much and I I I go to her when I have questions about almost anything. So I would go to Isabel Fox and Duke. She's incredible. Another great woman is Kyla Prinz, and she has the uh, Finding Our Hunger podcast. Summer Inanen is the Fearless Rebel Radio podcast. Food Psych is a great one. Um, I could probably – there's also the Recovery Warriors, and that's a show all about recovery. That's a great one. Um, and then I would say the wellness wonderland radio with Katie Dale Bout because that one is just a great show for food and healing stuff, but also fun music, girly mm-hmm. vibes, but also they have guys on there, but I would recommend those to start with. Stuff on there. We had uh, Stephanie Ruper on the show, sexy by nature. Are you familiar with her at all? Yes, I would definitely recommend that one as well. And okay. their, their podcast, um, that one is great. Stephanie has been on my show twice now. And she's just chock full of great information. And in their podcast, the Paleo Women Podcast, has a lot of insight on female issues. I mean, the Paleo Woman. So they're great for anything you want to ask about uh, metabolism or um, PCOS, getting your period back. Yeah. 
You brought up a point earlier I wanted to reiterate that listening to health podcasts can be detrimental if you're trying to get over being too healthy because that's really what we're we're getting over, that mindset that you have to be perfect, that you can't be 90%, 99 You have to focus on that 1% and get there. I listened to a podcast. I uh, had live callers, Underground Wellness, Sean's back in the day. I think it was like five years ago. And this woman called in stressing about the amount of blueberries she was eating. Like, how many blueberries do I need to eat? And the person on the other end, the guest, I forget the guest, was just like, um, I don't know. You could look at the nutrient content. You could look at the quality. Like, why are you worried about the exact number? And she just wouldn't give it up. She kept hounding on the amount of blueberries she needed to be eating. Like, the exact number. Pretty soon she was going to, like, talk about the size of them. Okay, what if they're big? Does that count as two? It was crazy. So I totally see why for the people who take it too far, listening to those kind of sh- those kind of shows or even this show where it's giving a lot of suggestions and information and supplements to take and exercises to do can just feel like adding more boxes on a to-do list that you stress out about if you don't check off. And so you collect all these to-do lists, whether it's the blueberries, how many you should be eating or the right way to exercise, or the right supplements. When you don't check them off, you get stressed. So it's good that you're given some uh, resources on kind of podcasts that maybe don't give so many to-do lists. Yeah, no, that's so true because I've done that. I have been that blueberry-obsessed person. Um, there have been times where whenever I was going through you know, the throes of orthorexia where, and I don't think I actually define what orthorexia is. It's uh, a mental... Um, disorder. I mean, it's, it's like an eating disorder, but it's not clinically qualified as an eating disorder yet, but it's a disorder where a person is obsessed with what they consider to be healthy eating. And as you know, that might sound kind of crazy when people hear it, like what you can be obsessed. But as you heard from this podcast, it's so true, but I have had that happen where I would put something in my mouth, like a grape, Mm -hmm. and then I'd spit it back out because I just was too tired and I didn't want to have to, to enter in my calorie counting app how much one grape was. I was like, it's not worth it. I want this grape so bad, but I'd rather spit it out and just not worry about entering it in. What about healthy weight loss? Because there's definitely people out there that want to lose weight in a healthy way. And they're sick of kind of that biggest loser run on a treadmill, eat the grape, spit it out, tracking everything. What would you recommend for someone 20, 30 pounds overweight? Let's just say she's a woman. She's tried a lot of different things. Um, she's anywhere from, let's say, 30 to 50. She's frustrated. She feels like she's trying everything and nothing's worked, and she's really down on her body. Speak to that woman for a second. So, of course, there are many different ways you can go about it with getting a coach, you know, getting your, you know, seeing what's going on biologically. Maybe there's something with hormones. Besides that, because that's not my specialty, what I would recommend first and foremost is for this person to check into intuitive eating. And that's a great starting point. It's, I don't know if you have you ever heard of intuitive eating before? Um, no, I have not. Sounds so, familiar, but no, explain it. I'm curious. Intuitive eating is a book and it's a way of eating. So first off, I recommend anyone check that out. Uh, When I first uh, went through the the program, I did it through Audible. I got the book Mm -hmm. just to listen to because I, I, it was just, I was on a car ride and I decided why not get that helped me so much. But intuitive eating is basically eating uh, with 
you know, your physiological cues. So when you're hungry, that's when you, you delay it a little bit to see if it's really anxiety or if it's actually hunger. And if you're still hungry, you eat something based on what you really desire. So oftentimes people will really be desiring one, but they go eat another food because they, they fear that food. They think that food's going to do bad things to their body. So they eat another food and then they eat something else because they still aren't satisfied because what they're really craving is that food over here. So then they eat something else. And then before they know it, they've eaten four times the amount of calories they would have eaten if they just would have had that thing they ate. So intuitive eating is about really eating what you want to be eating, uh, eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full. So here's where I like to change things up a little bit. I don't think, I think that's a lot of pressure for you to stop when you are full. Because for people that have lost touch with that sensation, when they've been eating by a meal plan right. or eating by a diet book for so long, they don't know when they're full. So this or is neither. Not, or neither. It's true. Sometimes that is true. And and um, this totally random. Another person I would recommend his name is Chris Sandel of Seven Health. He talks a lot about this mm-hmm. uh, about this issue of not feeling hungry. And for some people, you will need to start somewhere like three square meals a day. You know, make it simple. Make, make sure you have three square meals a day. But the part where it comes to stopping when you are full, give yourself compassion and wiggle room. It's trial and error. You'll know when you are a seven on the, the scale from one to ten of, of fullness or, or you're a 12 and you're like way full, like Thanksgiving dinner full. And then you learn and then you say, okay – that probably was a little bit overboard. I know that I could have stopped 10 bites ago, but that's okay. Uh, I'll be hungry again later on the day. I'll try again. No worries. Let's move on. So starting there uh, with intuitive eating, highly recommend people look into that and just put away the meal plans, put away the diet coaches and trainers, start learning what your intuition has to say to you. Babies do it. Animals do it. Human beings are the only creatures that don't know how to do it because we've we've been evolutionized. We've learned how to make these meal plans and fitness programs. So cutting out that mentality. The second thing I'll say is to combine mindful eating. And that's another book. So intuitive eating and the mindful eating and mindful eating is awesome because intuitive eating tells you basically when to eat, but, or what to eat and when to eat. And then mindful eating tells you, gives you more insight into why you're eating. And there are seven different types of hunger, and you learn about those in the book. So when seven you start different types, seven different types. There's a lot of hunger. Hopefully, I can say them all. There's nose, there's eye, there's mouth, there's stomach, there's cellular, there's mind, there is. Oh, what is, oh so nose would be like smelling, eyes would be like seeing. Yes. those are triggers. They are. They're not triggers. They are different types of hungers that need to be fed. So mm. sometimes. So let's say, for example, um, eye hunger. Why do you think Instagram is so popular? We yeah. love to look at beautiful pictures of food. The food so sometimes we need to make sure that our food looks really presentable, looks pretty, looks um, like feeds that sensation of wanting to see something that looks. If you just slop together a plate of something, you eat it really quickly. Probably you're just like meh. Yeah. But if you make a beautiful, it helps us to become more in tune into every single bite. Because we're just more aware. Mm-hmm. So then you can really identify, oh, I'm really craving like that eye hunger sensation right now. Or there's the cellular hunger where you actually feel like you need some more salt in your diet. 
or you're craving sugar and you pay attention to those things. Hmm. But there's also one that is uh, heart hunger. That's the other one I didn't mention. But heart hunger is like maybe you start craving uh, ice cream and you have no idea why. And you can take a second to be aware of it and think, why am I craving? Instead of just reacting and running to the fridge and eating ice cream, think about it because you're wanting to be more aware of your food choices. And then you may come to realize that the reason why you're craving ice cream is because you just had an injury. And you remember as a kid, every time you had an injury, your mom gave you ice cream and your mom died and you miss your mom. So it's like there's these connections that you can start to realize the emotional side of hunger. And what you really need in that moment is an ice cream. What you really need is to call your dad or what you really need is a hug or a good cry. And you do those things and then you're so much more satisfied afterward because the actual need was met instead of just eating. Eating doesn't help everything. It helps some things. It is love. It is more than just fuel, but it's not everything. Sometimes you need to address the other issues. So those are the two books I would recommend. The roots of eating stretch super deep um, just into each individual person. It's really emotional, physical, biological, every single other logical um, connections for sure. So, Maddie Moon, thanks for coming on the show. I wanted to uh, let our listeners know you have the Mind Body Musings podcast over on iTunes. Um, is that the best place they can find you? The best place you can find me is maddymoon.com, and that's M A D D Y, maddymoon.com. But you can also find my podcast there, my blogs there, uh, 10 Proven Steps is there. And uh, then on iTunes, you can find me there, and I'm on social media with different links everywhere. So just find my website and then you'll see all those. Okay. If I follow your Instagram, I'm not going to compare myself. I sure don't think so. I like to post more quotes and inspiring things than, uh, than me, but every once in a while I'll be like, Hey, I'm eating pizza tonight. (laughs) Some eye hunger there. A little bit. It's not always the prettiest, but a little bit eye hunger. Okay. Well, I want that eye hunger. So if I go to your podcast, what's, what's the one I should start on? Is there like a favorite episode or a must must listen for the person right now? That is super tough. Every one to me, every single one. I think that the most recent one I did was, oh uh, yeah, Alexi Panos. I would start with her. She's the most recent one. I probably would say that at any time, but she's incredible. She's inspiring. She's so, oh, she's just so, she's so inspiring. She just helps you to learn them. And then George Bryan, of course, he was really great. Absolutely. Maddie Moon, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story. Taylor uh, Hackers will go over and listen to your podcast. Thank you. This was such a pleasure. I loved being on the show. So I really appreciate everything you're doing for everyone and giving them all this insight and help. And I know it's greatly needed in this world. Fun stuff. Till next time. That's today's show. Thanks for listening. Madeline Moon on body image issues, a really important topic that doesn't get a lot of credit. It can take over your life. You can spend every waking hour thinking about this issue and it distracts you from the from everything else out there. So today it was great to, to talk about it and hopefully that was a show that resonates with you. And if it is, let us know. You can head over to paylorhacks.com. Thrive Market, again, is the place for that $1,000 shopping spree. Connect with me at ClarkDanger.com. Send me a little message. Drop a line on what you thought of the show today. I love hearing from you guys, each and every one of you. I read it all. 
And lastly, you can rate and review the show on iTunes. That means the world. It really helps boost us up in the rankings and we can reach more people together. That's it for the show today, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Thursday.